We're kicking off a brand new series today called Surviving the Storm. Surviving the Storm. And uh, I think about the different storms that I've been through and, um, and the, the storms I've been a part of actually had a name for it. And I live in Florida for a while and I remember my very first storm. In fact, I just missed, I was going to school down there and they just had a storm called Hurricane Aaron. And I, that was back in 1993. And then, um, and then I was a part of a storm called Hurricane Opal. That was my first one to actually be in it. That was in 1995. I remember I was in college. They canceled school that day, of course. And, and, and we hunkered down in the dorms. And I remember just being in the hallways with everybody in the hallways. And uh, but every now and then I would sneak into my, into, the, into my room just to kind of look out the window to see the force and the power of, of, of Hurricane Opal. And I saw the trees, you know, the palm trees just bending sideways. And I, I was just blown away, no pun intended, blown away by, you know, the power of the hurricane. And, and, and then uh, in 2004, been in a couple of other little storms, uh, hurricane storms and tropical, um, uh, tropical storm. Um, and then in 2004, my wife and I were about, about, maybe about three years at this point. We bought our first house, and um, we were just moving it like a few months prior, and then Hurricane uh, Ivan, Hurricane Ivan came through. Its name was Ivan the Terrible, and it was a terrible storm. It was a high category three storm, 135 plus mile per hour winds. You know, the, the storm surge on the beaches were devastating and took out a couple bridges. And um, it, it caused great devastation. In fact, we sheltered at the church. We thought we'd be safe at church. And, uh, and, and, and the church suffered over a million dollars worth of damage in that storm. Um, I was downstairs and we could hear the, uh, of the, there was a two-story building and we heard um, something crashing into the second floor and I got some guys and said, let's go upstairs. It was the youth room. The windows were blown in. And so we were moving and trying to salvage equipment you know, and all the sound equipment that they had up in the, in the youth room. And that was quite an experience, about 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I remember stepping outside uh, right at the peak of that storm. I remember stepping outside just to kind of feel it. I wanted to feel the wind, feel what 135 miles per hour felt like. And I, and I, and I stepped out there, and, man, it was powerful. And uh, we were looking out in the, in the big parking lot. We had a big church parking lot, just looking out. I saw the world's fastest turtle. I mean, he was skipping along. <laughs> I thought, man, if he was in a race with a, with, a, with a rabbit, he would definitely win that one. You know, he was skipping along. And it, was, it was some amazing storm. And the devastation after that storm was, was immense. It was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was really demoralizing. Because for us, you know, the day before, blue skies. It was nice. It was pretty. You know, and, and, and all of a sudden, within 24 hours, the destruction, you know, and the, and, the, and the makeup of everything around us had changed. And I remember a few years after that, Hurricane Katrina, which was one of the biggest storms that come through the Gulf, and uh, it didn't really hit us directly. We had um, the outer edge of that big storm. And, um, but I remember seeing that storm hit right into New Orleans and Biloxi. Uh, Rosie was a part of that storm. And uh, in fact, your house was leveled. 
your house was gone. They're all wiped out from the storm surge. I mean, and it was, you know, I remember going into New Orleans after Katrina and just seeing the devastation. And uh, it looked like a bomb had blown off in the city. And, 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 and so I've seen my share of storms. And so here's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about different storms of the Bible. We're going to look at the different storms because here's the reality. We may not be going through, you know, maybe you've never went through a hurricane storm like that, and I pray that you never do, you know. And, um, but, but I believe that all of us here, we've gone through some type of storm, the storms of life, the storms of trial, the storms of adversity, the storms of challenge. And we've all been through a storm. And for some of you in this room, you might be in a storm. You might be in the pre-storm. Blue skies, everything's great. It looks fine. You have no idea. You have no idea within a day. You have no idea that one phone call could turn your day around from blue skies into hurricane-force winds blowing through your life. And some of you, are, you know, you're blue skies right now. Some of you, though, you, you're in it. You know, you're, you're sheltered. You're hanging on. The storm is blowing through your life right now, and you're in it. And there's, there's some of us, you just got through a storm. In fact, you're doing the cleanup. You're doing the pickup. I remember after Hurricane Ivan, you know, for, for about a month, it was just cleaned up, picking up the pieces. In our, in our backyard, we had about four or five live oaks. They were all knocked down, every one of them. They were big trees. The only tree, the only tree that survived was the one tall dead one. That stayed up, you know. I was like, man, why couldn't you take that one down, right? But, um, I mean, the devastation across, and thankfully none of, none of the trees landed on our house, but so many homes were ruined. And everyone picking up the pieces of their lives, picking it up back over again, rebuilding and some of you, that's where you're at right now. You're rebuilding. You're in that phase of life. And, and so here it is. It's, uh, for every one of us, here's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about how to navigate, how to go through it. Because the question for all of us, it's not that, it's not an if we get a storm. It's it, 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 it when. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to every one of us. And it's not going to be one storm. It could be other storms coming up on the horizon. We're all going to go through the storms of life. Uh, so today, I want to kind of kick off with a storm uh, that we see in three of the four Gospels. Three of the four Gospels talked about this very storm that Jesus in his ministry, and uh, very significant because it's in all three chapters, uh, in all three Gospels. And so I want to take a look at this first one. I really pray that today, as we kind of kick off um, storms and how to survive storms, um, that this could be a, uh, uplifting. I hope that this could be encouraging. And for some of you, you know, you feel like giving up, feel like quitting. You're in the middle of it. I pray that you're hanging on and that you will get the encouragement to keep moving forward today. And so we're going to look at the story. In fact, we're going to look at the Mark gospel as we see the story. And, and, and before we get into this, Jesus had just finished a very intensive time of teaching and preaching. I mean, he, he had worked hard. It had been a busy season. And so the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, the Bible says that Jesus said to his disciples at, eve, at the evening came, he said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And so they took Jesus in the boat, 
and they started out, leaving the crowd behind, although other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Now, let me just stop here for a minute. This is happening on the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is more like a big lake. It's not really a big giant sea, but it's more of like, you know, a Mediterranean sea. That's a big sea. This is a lake. It's about the size, if you ever go out to Lake St. Clair, it's about the size of the northern part, where we call Anchor Bay. You know, if you can kind of picture that in your mind if you've been out there. But maybe if, you're not, if you've never been out there, maybe this will help you. It's, you know, the lake is about the size of maybe Shelby Township. So it's not a super giant, you know, very big lake, you know, but it's about 600 feet below sea level, and it's surrounded by mountains. And, and the Sea of Galilee is known even today to have very beautiful skies. It starts out great. And then within an hour, within an hour, the storm starts rolling over those mountains. And, and that sea, that little lake, can turn into a typhoon. It can get crazy. And the high winds and the high waves, just like that. And so this is the situation. Everything's fine. They're getting out there. It's all calm. And all of a sudden, they're in the middle of this lake. And, and, and you know, you would think with a small lake, you know, in Lake St. Clair, we could probably get away from it quick enough. Because we have powerboats. There's no powerboat. They're paddling, okay? They're just trying to get through here, maybe with a little sail. And, and, and so they're in the middle of this thing, and here comes the storm. All of a sudden, and it's, and it's a bad storm. The Bible says in verse 38 that Jesus was sleeping. He was taking a nap at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I mean, I can somewhat relate after a hard day of teaching and preaching. Uh, you know, maybe I need a, I, and I would take a good afternoon on a, a good nap on a Sunday afternoon, you know. But let's just, I mean, you get on a boat, you know, and I've been on a boat before where it's just nice and rocking. It's just rocky right to sleep, and Jesus fell asleep. He's tired. And then the storm happened, and the Bible says that in verse number 30, um, verse 38, the second part, the disciples, they wake him up. They're shouting. They said, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care that we're going to die? And, I mean, here's the, some of these guys were commercial fishermen, right? I mean, you know it's a bad storm when so many fishermen are freaking out, right? And, and, and so they're like, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And the Bible says in verse 39 that when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind. He said to the waves, silence, be still. I mean, I try to do that for my kids. And I, don't get, I, don't, I can't get that accomplished. Silence, be still. Well, that doesn't work. But Jesus, looking at waves, silence, be still. The Bible says that suddenly the wind stopped. And there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you guys afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. They're probably wondering, what in the world just happened? I was asked that they asked the question, who is this man? And they asked each other, even the wind and the waves 
obeys him. So there are several observations that I want to lift from this passage. Observations that I believe that can help us today navigate the storms. Here's the first thought if you're taking notes. Life is a mall of squalls. There's a mall of squalls. There are two kinds of people in this room. There are people that love the mall. There are some people that just absolutely hate the mall. That's me. All right, there we go. <laughs> I could care less if I ever stepped foot in a mall. There's some of you that say, I love the mall. I love going to Partridge Creek. I love going to Great Lake Crossing and, 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 and Lakeside and Somerset and, and, and the Oakland and, and what's left of Macomb. And I, you know, you love the malls. You know, you just go. And, 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 and the doors in the malls are so specific, aren't they? You know, you got specialty shops, to kiosks. I mean, you can get anything you want in a mall. And I'm just staggered how specific the stores are when you go to the mall. You can just find anything you want. I mean, my favorite part of the mall, when I do have to go to the mall, is the food court. <laughs> because they got everything. There's all kinds of food you can check out. You know, life is the same way. The storms are the same way. Life is a mall, it's a mall of squalls. And the storms are so specialized. There are so many of these types of storms, different types of storms. I think it's interesting to note several things from the story. Even though, if you're taking note, even though Christ was on board, the storm still struck. It still happened. I said, wait a minute, Scott. You mean... I can be obedient to God and still go through a storm. I can still go through depression, death, or sickness. I can still face all that. Yes. You see, we see in the story, the disciples, they're obedient. They were in the will of God, following after Jesus. They were with Jesus. And they were still involved with Jesus in the middle of that storm. See, nowhere in the Bible do we ever see that a Christians were exempt from hard times. We don't see that in the Scripture. Nowhere does it say that once you accept Jesus Christ, once you accept me, once you invite me to live on your boat, it'll be a three-hour tour. <laughs> it's, not, it's not in there. You won't find that in the Scripture. And so even though Christ was on the ship, the storm still happened. Here's something else. Even though the storm was raging, Jesus was sound asleep. Now, I, I love this. Jesus, you know, remember, all the disciples, they're shouting. They're freaking out. Even the fishermen the commercial fishermen that were the disciples, they were, they were scared. And Jesus was calm. The storm didn't catch him by surprise. It didn't caught him off guard. Jesus was calm. You see, you have someone. You have someone who is perfect 
You have someone who is calm in the middle of the storm who can give us peace, who can give us assurance. Even when the storm, even when the waves are beating against us, we have a Savior who is calm through and through. I mean, we see that in his own personal life. In the face of the crucifixion, Jesus was calm. Even though, number three, here's another thought, even though Christ was on board, the disciples, they were still gripped by fear and doubt. It's easy to lose hope when the wind blows if we lose our focus. It's easy to lose focus, right? He says, Scott, what do you mean by focus? It's when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put our eyes on the winds and the waves. In other words, we start focusing on the circumstances. And when we do that all the time. We, we are so focused on the circumstances that we get our eyes off Jesus. And when we only put our eyes on the circumstances of life, fear and hopelessness and doubt start to creep in. It starts to creep into our lives. We've taken our eyes off Jesus. You know, the disciples said, Jesus, don't you care? <laughs> you know, they, they, they had their eyes on the circumstances. They started doubting. Jesus, don't you even care? Don't you even care that we're going to die? What was happening? They started doubting. It was hopelessness. I want you to think about this. I think the answer to the disciples' question is found in three simple questions. Question number one. Who were they asking a the question? You tell me. Who were they asking a the question to? They were asking a question to Jesus, right? They were asking a question to Jesus. Where was Jesus when they were asking the question? He was in the boat. He was right there. And you know, Jesus could have been where he should have been, you know, on the right hand of God at the throne of glory. But no, he is right there. He was sleeping in a stinky old boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee with a bunch of guys who didn't quite get it. But he was there. That's the third question. Why was he there? Well, he was there to see us through, to give us life. Yes, he cares. Of course he cares. He is the son of God in human flesh. Jesus said, I love you so much that I'm going to die for you guys. And you guys are asking me if I care? Of course I care. I'm going to see you through. I'm going to see you through. And for some of you here, you just need to see that. And to focus your eyes on him. Focus your eyes on Jesus and not your circumstances. Even though, here's the fourth thought, even though the disciples barely had any faith, their faith was weak, right? And yet Jesus still rescued them. Sometimes we have this idea that we have to be so full of faith. But let's just be honest. Our faith is weak. I know my faith is weak sometimes. I know I'm just barely hanging on. Have y'all been there before? My, my, my faith is weak, and sometimes, sometimes we think, but, but I got to have a big, strong, bold faith. And I sometimes don't have it. Uh, sometimes we look at life like a big, giant river. 
and, and, and we call this river, you know, faith, the river of faith. And I'm just floating in this little boat, just kind of bopping around on this river of faith. But here's the, here's the reality. The river is not faith. The boat is faith floating in something that's much bigger than, our, bigger than my faith, and that is the river of grace. God's grace is much bigger than my faith. It's God's grace that sustains me. It's God's grace that carries me. It's God's grace that rescues me, not my faith. And at the end of the day, it's not, it's not about how big your faith is. Because the Bible talks about you can have faith that's the size of a teeny, tiny little mustard seed. And at the end of the day, it's not the weight of your faith. At the end of the day, it's the object of who you put your faith in. It's the who. It's the who. It's the anchor of our soul. It's the captain of our ship. And he's the one that can rescue us. And his disciples, their faith was weak. They were barely hanging on. They're like, man, we're going to die. It's over. This is it. Hanging out with Jesus, we get killed. And Jesus said, yeah, man, you guys are so weak in your faith. Don't you trust me? Of course I care. Of course I care. Jesus will help us navigate through the storms of life. But there's something else we need to learn from the passage regarding storms. That's that number two. Storms comes in various forms. Various forms, different forms. Let us think about for a few minutes the different types of storms of life. I got some thoughts here. Sometimes storms are self-inflicted. You know, they're caused by ourselves. Have you ever got a have you ever got a speeding ticket before? Okay. You know, you got one, right? That's a self-inflicted storm. The officer didn't cause it, right? You caused it. You messed up. You went over the limit. You get a ticket. It's self-inflicted. Think about Samson. Remember Samson in the Bible? He was a he-man with a she-weakness. Biblical bodybuilder, right? He caused the storm. He caused all the problems in his life because he rebelled against God. God said, don't hang out with the Philistines. Don't marry into a Philistine. And, and, and Samson said, oh, no, I'm going to hang out with the Philistine. I'm going to find me a Philistine woman. He married a Philistine woman. And then that didn't work out. He still hung out with another Philistine woman. And he just kept digging himself in a hole and causing his own storms of his own problems of his own life. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at another story in the Bible, another storm uh, called by someone that self-inflicted a storm, a guy named Jonah. We're going to look at that. And, and for some of you, sometimes you cause a storm. It's self-inflicted. Sometimes storms are caused by others. They're caused by others. I'm sure you've been hurt before. I'm sure you've been violated before. You've been betrayed. You've been taken advantage. You've been ripped off. Storms are caused by others. Sometimes storms are God-induced. God-induced. So what do you mean by that? Well, think about the Old Testament. Think about uh, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and they had God's people under bondage. 
What, what could God do? God brought in the storm, 10 plagues. And after 10 plagues, finally, Pharaoh wakes up and says, okay, I give up, you guys go. God induced it. God induced that storm. Sometimes storms are relational. Some of you right now, you're going through a family storm. You've been hurt by someone close to you, feeling rejected and all alone. That's a relational storm. Sometimes storms are caused by health. Health, a health storm. You've got a bad report from a doctor recently. Maybe you've got this anxiety or stress or depression. You're living in the cave of depression right now. That's a health storm. Sometimes storms are occupational, job-related. Maybe you're saying to yourself, man, I cannot work with this person another day. I cannot work for that boss another day. I've got to face him. I've got to face her again tomorrow morning. It's so tough. It's so hard. I cannot stand working with this person or with this client. Or, or maybe, maybe you know that your job is on the line. And that brings, that brings certain anxiety. Maybe, you, maybe you're thinking about changing jobs. But occupational storms are real. Sometimes storms are spiritual. God has caused a storm in some of your lives just to bring you to church today. To hear this message. To hear, the, to hear from God's word, to connect with people who love the Lord. You're here today because something brought you here. Maybe God has caused a storm in your life just so that you will invite Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen. Where the storm has brought someone down to their knees and recognized that Jesus is Lord of all. And so storms, they, they come in various forms. And on your handout note, it's in a blank there. I just want to encourage you to recognize or to name the storm that you might be in right now. Maybe it's one of these things we talk about. Maybe it's something else. But what is your storm? What is your storm? And here's what I hope that we would do. As you see the storms of life, you see, here's, here's what Satan wants. Here's what Satan wants. Satan the evil one, he could care less if you know about the Mars of squalls. He could care less that storm comes in, in various forms. He could care less that you know the Bible. There's no skin off his back. He's not whatever. But you know what gets Satan motivated against us? You know what gets him mad and fired up? It's when we translate learning into living. When we translate what we learn into living. That's what gets him fired up. Because he wanted to get stuck in a place that's of negativity. Because that's what storm does sometimes. It, gets a, it breathes negativity. Oh, woe is me, right? I mean, I remember coming through it after Ivan and, and walking out in the morning after Hurricane Ivan was looking out at the devastation. We got in our car. It was still a tropical storm. They told us we shouldn't be leaving. I said, no, I want to get to my house. Said, oh, no, I'm driving, and, and they're down power lines. So we crossed a river. Uh, we crossed a creek. And we, we get on the bridge. We crossed this little creek. The, the creek was a raging river crossing over the bridge. We get through. 
you know, and, and, and we could feel the pressure of the river. Wasn't my brightest move of my life. I'm like, you know, okay, we got this little car, you know, driving through. We cross over to get into our neighborhood. We get into our neighborhood. We, 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 you know, there are two ways into our, into our house. And we thought this would be the best way. We cross in, and they were blocked by trees everywhere. We couldn't get through. So I had to turn around, cross over the same bridge, and it's the second time, I got nervous. I didn't tell Karen this, but I felt it. I felt, oh, man, this is not good. We got through that Raging Creek River crossing over the bridge, you know, and we went the other way, which I didn't think we were going to make it. We had to drive through someone's front yard to go across the tree. I mean, we got there, and, and thankfully, we saw a house, and we were fine, and, 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 and we didn't have power for about 10 days, but we were like, hey, we still have a house. I remember just looking at the devastation and, 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 and the, at the heaviness, the heaviness that it brought. And I thought, man, that's what storms does to us, the storms of life. This is where Satan wants us to live. He doesn't want us to translate learning into living. He wants us to breathe into negativity. You know, we do three things. We react in three ways oftentimes. And so this is where Satan wants us to live. He wants us to run. To run from it, just run. You see, a, you see a storm, run from it, just run. You know you can't outrun God's storms? You can't run the storms of life. You can't outrun it. Here's what I've learned. Every time you run from a storm, you always run into God. You, you, you run into God every time. And so you can't, you can't run. So if you got, you know, the Satan's like, Satan wants you to run. He wants you to believe that the grass is always greener on the other side of the track. You're going through a marriage storm, Satan says, run. You go through an occupational storm, run. You're going through a relational storm, Satan says, get out of Dodge. Run. Run. Get out of there. But when you try to run away from God, you end up running right into God every time. We're going to see that with Jonah. You try to run from God. You can't. And so we should stay for every storm. God, I know this storm coming my way. I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to do your will. I'm going to go, I'm going to do your will. And, and, and so some of us, we run from God, and that's what Satan wants us to do. We want to run, run, run. Some of us, will, number two, we'll resign ourselves to the storm. We'll resign. Well, the storm's here, so I'm going to put on my raincoat on, and I'm going to buckle down. I'm just going to grin and bear it, and we'll retreat. And we get ourselves isolated. We isolate ourselves from God's people. I've seen so many people go through a storm that just, just, just withdraw. And they say, well, I'm not, you know, I don't trust Jesus, but I'm just withdrawing. I, I don't like, and you cry, you complain. You resign yourself. And that's the third, third way, and this is where Satan wants to live. For some of us, we resent. We resent the storm. We curse the wave. We curse the wind. We raise our fist toward God, a little puny little fist toward God, and say, God, I'm mad. We get mad. And for some of you, you're one storm away from running away from God completely. This is the work of Satan. You want us to focus on circumstances. It does not want us to translate learning 
and to live in. I want to give us some thoughts here how you can do that, how to translate learning into living, how we can respond in such a way that honors God even in the middle of the worst storm that you'll go through. Category five, strength storm, whatever that might be, how you can still live where God wants you to be. Got first number one, got to realize God's proximity. God's proximity, his location. Realize that he's with you. In Matthew chapter 8, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, it's the same story. It's the other gospel account. Jesus got in the boat. The disciples followed him. They were with him. They hung out with Jesus. Imagine if I said, go buy a bass boat from your local boat shop. Take that boat down to the Gulf of Mexico. Take it down to the Key West. And ride that boat, that little bass boat, on a big, giant ocean. And go 90 miles and find yourself in Cuba. But listen, if I tell you to do all that, you're going to have one person. You'll be able to see that person. Someone's going to ride with you in that boat. That person's God. How many of you would say, man, I feel confident with that. If I, could, if I know that God's with me in the boat, I see God. I can see him in the boat. I got full confidence. I know I would. I mean, I'll take that bass little boat. We'll go. We'll go. Now, listen, bass boat don't survive ocean. <laughs> it doesn't make it. But with God in the boat, I trust him. The disciples, the disciples, they should have had full confidence. They should have had full confidence because they could see God right there. I'm going to give them some, I'm going to give them some, uh, uh, maybe some slack here. Maybe they didn't quite understand Jesus completely yet. But the reality is, we don't. And for, for 2,000 years, he's been riding in boats and helping people. He's there for you. We need to hang on to him. Hanging on to him. God, love him. Let him captain your ship. Here's what, prophet, here's what the prophet Isaiah says. Isaiah 42, verse, I'm sorry, Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Now, when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In other words, whatever you're going through, remember, you're not going through it alone. You're not. And that, that gives me confidence, my friend, that whatever I go through in life, I know that God, he is with me. In fact, Jesus told the disciples before they got in the boat, remember? Hey, guys, well, let's go to the other side of the boat. I mean, let's go to the other side of the lake, right? That was, what, was, what was his plan? God's plan was all along to get to the other side. And the storm didn't catch God by surprise. And he knew in the middle of that storm, he said, listen, my plan is still to get you to the other side. God knows where you got to go. And it's his plan to see you through on the other side. 
So what are you facing? Are you facing now the loss of a loved one? Are you facing a career change? Relational turmoil? Sickness? Whatever you're going through, realize that God is near. Realize God's proximity. Number two, realize that God cares. Oh, God cares so much. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? How many of you said that before to God? Say, God, don't you care? God, don't you care? I mean, God, I can't see you. I can't feel you. I can't feel you, God. Do you really care? You know, oftentimes we get caught up on feelings. And oftentimes we miss God. Sure, feeling's great. But obedience happens first. And when you obey, sometimes the feelings come, sometimes the feelings don't come. But the Bible said that Christianity is not something that we feel our way into. And so it's that, you know, if I feel a, a, a quiver in my liver, that must mean that, that that's all God in my life. Maybe. Well, maybe you just had some bad domino pizza last night. I don't know. <laughs> you can't always feel God. But remember that no matter how you feel, whether you feel it or not, he's the way maker. And he cares. I like what the master fisherman says, Simon Peter. He said this about storms. He said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, he said to cast all your cares, all your anxiety, all your storm, to cast on Jesus, for he cares for you. All your troubles, all your, all your struggles, all your burdens, they're not for you to carry. You know that? In fact, you, you're carrying them way down your boat. And you don't get far in life when you're holding on to your baggage, when you're holding on to your struggles. You want to lighten the load, give it to him. He cares for you. Here's number three. My final thought is that we realize that God is in control over everything. Oh, I love, I just love this story. And I love how it ends. Because right now, the disciples in verse 41, they see Jesus tell the wave to stop. And the wind stop. The wave stop. And they're just like, what just happened? What just happened? Who is this man? That even the wind and the waves obeys him. Now, here's a couple words of encouragement before we're done. A couple words of encouragement. I want to encourage you. This next season of life, it's going to blow. For some of you, it could be a 100-mile-per-hour wind. It might just be a small little windstorm. But regardless, it's going to happen. 
And I don't know if it's going to blow your life apart, but the wind is going to blow. Isn't that encouraging? So no. <laughs> but here's what I want to encourage you with. God knows it's going to blow, but he's committed to see you through it. He is committed to see you through if you keep your focus on him. And he has authority over everything. I've loved this statement. I've used this before. I'm going to put it on the screen. I'm going to, give it a, I'm going to put it up here for just a minute. I want you to take your phone, take a picture of this, because this is the truth. I hope you will be encouraged today. There's not a win. There is not a win that will blow on me, that will blow on you, that doesn't first blow on a sovereign God who is absolutely in control of my life. There's not a stray wind that catches God by surprise. There's not. God is in control of every little wind, big wind. When it hits your life, it blows through him first. He knows. He knows. In the middle of the wind and the storms, the way to translate learning into living is that I'm going to remember that he is Lord over all. He is Lord over all. And I'm going to see the winds as opportunities and not as enemies. They say opportunities. That's right. I'm going to see the wind as an opportunity because I know that God is going to use that wind and everything else in my life to make me more like him. And, and because I know that, no matter the storms, because I know that he's using that wind to shape me, to make me, to, to mold me, to build me, to build my character, it brings joy. It brings joy in my life. You should be joyful in the middle of a storm. Different than happiness. I could be sad at a funeral, but have a certain joy that only God can give. You can hate the wind, my friend. You can fight the wind. You can curse the wind. You can run. You can resign. You can resent it. Or you can thank God for the wind. And you can let God use that wind to shape your life. Surviving a storm. Realize God's proximity. Remember that he cares. And never forget that he is Lord of all. God, we love you. We are thankful for your word. And God, some of us, were in a storm. We're in the middle of it right now. And it's rough. And it's hard. It's difficult. But God, help us not to run. God, help us not to resent or resign. But God, help us to remember that you are near the brokenhearted. You are near us, even in the middle of it. 
and you will see it through. Whatever that might be, whatever you're teaching us, God, you will see it through. God, help us not to forget, help us to remember, help us to realize you absolutely care about us. You do care. Even when we're, even when it's a storm that we have self-inflicted in our own lives, a storm that we've caused on our own because of our rebellious ways, you still care. You still love us. You're hoping that storm will bring us back to you and draw closer to you. And God, help us to realize that you are in control over every breath of air, every wind that comes through us, comes through you. God, you are sovereign. You are holy. And so, God, I pray you help us to navigate the storms of life by keeping our eyes on the captain, the anchor for our soul. In Jesus' name, amen.